You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. We've been learning uh, for the last uh, five weeks, this is week six, um, through Matthew chapter six, what it means to put the kingdom of God first in our life. And so we, we, we've looked at what it looks to put God first uh, physically. And so we did a fast. And so many of you fasted for the first time. You fasted technology. Uh, some of you fasted uh, TV, uh, those kinds of things. Others, others of you did a biblical fast. You didn't eat food. You did the Daniel fast. And, and so we're putting the, the kingdom of God first physically. Then we talked about putting the kingdom of God first spiritually and what it looks like to carve out time in, in our daily life to pray and to seek God, get in his word, begin to pray. And, 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 and we realize that, hey, he already knows what we need already. So it's not just about giving him our wish list. It's about connecting with him spiritually. And, and then the last two weeks, we've been talking about what it means to put uh, the kingdom of God first materially. And so Jesus says, you can't serve God and money. Uh, last Sunday was an amazing Sunday for us. I'm just going to be honest, like 120 people uh, giving families decided that they were going to start giving 10% of their income. Uh, so you, you know what? You recognize that, hey, we're, we're on board. We're ready to give to God. We're ready to, to give to him what already belongs to him. We're ready to partner. We're ready to do this thing for real. And uh, as a result, we had the largest um, day offering wise that we've ever had in the history of our church. And so we saw the potential. Absolutely. That is, that's worth praising God. Uh, for that. So we saw the potential, what God could do here, and uh, we're excited. And, and so uh, what we see in Scripture today, we're going to look uh, first in verses uh, 1 uh, through 4 here to, to really look at how we're supposed to give. So we've looked at the reasons why, we've seen the biblical reasons. I want to start today with, with kind of how do we do that? And so what does it look like? And Jesus t- uh, teaches us here in the first few verses of, of chapter 6 what that looks like. So look with me, verse 1. Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. So doing it for praise and recognition of people, no reward. Verse two, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you. Hey, look at me, I'm about to give a big fat check. (laughs) You know, everybody right here. No, he says not to do that. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Okay, they have received their reward. What was their reward? Hey, they got a praise. They got a high five. They got a pat on the back. They got a good job, man. They got a good game slap. I don't know what they got, but they got rewarded by people and that was their reward. So the idea here is motivation matters to Jesus. Like if we're giving to get praise of other people, then he says your motivation is in the wrong place. And so you're gonna get recognized, but listen, that's gonna be the only reward you receive, the recognition of other people. Let's continue. Verse three, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, if you've been like, like me, like underlining things and circling words and things like that in your Bible, you've circled the word reward seven times in the first uh, 18 verses of chapter six because he constantly says reward, reward. This is, this is the idea that it's not wrong to be like understanding and excited about the rewards of God. So motivation uh, is okay to think about, well, if I give, God's gonna reward me. I think that's cool. I think that's good. I think that's biblical. But the motivation that he's uh, warning us against is the praise and recognition of other people. 
So if I'm doing any act of righteousness so that I can get a good job, Trent, or a high five, Trent, or you're awesome, Trent, like that's not my motivation. It cannot be my motivation. The, the praise of man, the praise of people is so strong in us. Some of you are dying for your boss at work just to say good job. Some of you are dying for your spouse to say good job. And, and while in a different sermon, it's probably a good idea for your spouse to, to affirm you. It's probably a good idea, you as a leader, if you're a boss, to affirm the people that work for you. But at the same time, like if I don't get that, I'm okay. Because I know that what I do in secret, my heavenly father sees and he is going to reward me. He's gonna reward my faithfulness as I work, uh, as unto the Lord at work, at my job. And as I give, he is going to reward me as I do it with a heart that's motivated by worship. So the idea here, the word here is my motivation cannot be recognition. In other words, it needs to be sacrifice. Now flip over to Luke chapter 21. And they'll put this on the screen if you happen to forget your Bible in the car. Because sometimes that happens. Verse 21, um, we see not only motivation, but we see sacrifice important. Here's what Jesus teaches us in verse one. He says, says this, Jesus looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. So we've got the offering boxes back there. They probably weren't silver and plexiglass like that, but they had some form of box and, and they were coming forward and they were putting their offering there at church basically. And uh, he said, and he saw a poor widow put in two small cop copper coins and he said truly I tell you this poor widow has put in more than all of them for they all contributed out of their abundance but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on see here's the difference how do we give well firstly we give out of a motivation truly to worship Jesus not to get recognition truly out of worship to, to, you know, to, to, to worship him. That's my motivation. But now I also have to realize that it's not the amount of money that I give that matters to God. Like we write a big fat check one day and we think, oh man, God, here you go, man. You, you, I know you're, you're, you're cool with this one. You gotta high five me on this one. Way to go me. He says, no, it's not the amount that you give. It's the sacrifice that you are making in order to give. He sees this widow, she out of her poverty, Jesus says, gave all that she had. In other words, she is sacrificing in such a way that she is saying, you know what? I'm gonna give these two copper coins and I don't know, God, how you're gonna provide for me. I don't know how I might eat tonight. I don't know how I'm gonna take care of, of myself and of my rent and of my bills. And, but you know what? I'm sacrificing God. You know why? One word, faith, because I trust you. I have faith in you. And as I give to the Lord, I am trusting. And folks, that is sacrifice. And that is the, that, that's the reward that Jesus wants to honor. Like when he sees faith in action like that, he honors and he blesses and he rewards. See, some of us are, most of us in America, let's just be honest, we're rich. If we have a car, if we have central heat and air, uh, if we got a job, we've got some form of paycheck. Uh, in worldly standards, two thirds of the world lives on less than a dollar a day. So when we go buy our latte at Starbucks, we're rich if you can afford that, right? And so what we're not very good at is being rich, right? And so out of the abundance, these rich people gave. In other words, that's no big deal. This is what I got. I got plenty. You know what? I'll, yeah, I'll give whatever I got. And so I've got some and I've, I've got abundance here. So I'm giving. Not a big sacrifice because I've got so much. And Jesus says, you know what? 
You're gonna, that's, that's fine. You're going to get rewarded. But when I look at her, at the widow, and I look at the one who is sacrificing, that's the kind of faith that I am looking for. So motivation matters. Sacrifice matters. And it's not an accident, guys. It's not an accident that Jesus spends this entire passage talking about money, talking about you can't serve God in money, talking about fasting, talking about prayer. And then he connects it to anxiety and worry. Why? Because everybody in this room walks in here with some form of anxiety, some form of stress, some way that, that you're just kind of struggling. Maybe it's money and you're stressed about bills. You're stressed about money. You're stressed about how you're going to take care of yourself financially. Maybe you walk in and you're just worried as a parent. I mean, if you're a parent, we worry, don't we? I mean, and we're guilty of that. Like we worry about, are we messing up our kids? And if so, how bad are we messing them up? I mean, I mean, what am I doing that, that's, that, you know, are they making wise choices? What are, what's going on at school? And who are they hanging out with? And, and what are they doing this weekend? And I hope, I hope they're making the right choice. And we worry and we stress about that. Some of us, it's money. Some of it's parenting. Some of it's just relationships. Like your marriage is, is maybe in turmoil. And so you're struggling with that. You're worried about it. And you're like, I don't know how it's going to work out. And, and this is going on and that's going on. And, and if you're not careful, you're just constantly consumed with thinking about and worrying about and being anxious about various things in your life. Jesus speaks to us today because he knows that as we put the kingdom of God first materially, as we put the kingdom of God first spiritually, he knows, he knows, he knows, he knows there's going to be a level of anxiety that creeps into our hearts. Some of us, it's a lot. Some of us, it's a little. But whatever amount, you're going to experience some stress like, God, I'm stepping out in faith. Like I'm stepping out in faith financially. How are we going to do it? I don't know. How we do I, I don't know. What about, I, I don't know. I'm trusting God. And I'm praying and I'm diving into his word and I'm starting to serve him. And I don't know, am I good enough? I don't think I'm good enough, but I'm just going to trust God as I serve him. And as I get in a small group, I'm just going to trust God relationally that it's going to work its way out. Um, I'm going to mention three reasons why you're stressed today. Pretty much, there's probably a lot more, but I'm going to give you three because I think uh, most of them will fall into these categories. And the first reason why you're stressed today is because bad experiences create anxiety in the present. Bad experiences create anxiety in the present. So if you've had a bad experience relationally, maybe, you know, college kids or, or, or students and like you're, you're, you've dated somebody and it was a bad breakup. And so like the next time you, you, you're starting a relationship because of the bad experience, you're stressed about this new one that's starting. If it was a bad financial deal, then, then now this new financial opportunity, you're a little stressed about because of my bad one, because of my bad work uh, decisions and what I did at work and how that went down. Now, this new job that I have, I'm stressed about it because of my past. And so maybe I, you know, maybe you have multiple kids. And so one kid is graduating and he's out or she's out. And it's like, well, man, we really blew it on that one. He's messed up. And man, I hope this next one doesn't, you know, turn out that bad, you know? So it's like my, my past experiences lead to my anxiety in the present today. Let me give you another example. When I was a little kid, we grew up in, um, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. So, so about, about, 15, 20 minutes outside of the city. And, and we live uh, close to a place called Kings Island. Uh, anybody ever been to Kings Island? 
All right, good, several of you. So we were like 10 minutes from Kings Island. We spent a lot of time there. And, and so I'm the youngest of four in my family. Um, my, my brother's the oldest and I have two sisters. They're 10 and 11 years older than I am. And they took me to Kings Island uh, one day and I was like four, four and a half years old. And, and so I'm holding their hand, trusting them that they're gonna lead me into the right places, right? And so they're, they're grownups at this point, and, uh, or at least in my mind. And so um, there was a ride at Kings Island called The Beast. Very intimidating name, the Beast, right? And so, any, anybody ever been the Beast? It's like this, yeah. It's at that time, it was one of the fastest and and one of the biggest roller coasters in the country. And so, so um, we're at Kings Island. My sisters are leading me, and we're gonna get in line. Hey, we're gonna have fun. We're gonna go ride this ride. Now, they didn't take me to the Beast. Thankfully, I wouldn't be here today. I'd be in some mental institution. But they took me to what's called the Beastie. Okay, so the Beastie is a smaller version. Still very fast, okay? Keep that in mind as I tell this story. And still very steep for a four-year-old. So, so here I go. I guess I barely make the cut or they paid, they tipped the, the, the kid at the deal to get me in on the ride, first of all, because I was so little. So they get me on the ride. And my anxiety and stress level start to increase when they ching, 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 And then they clip the thing and you're thinking, well, wait a wait, whoa, I can't move. You know, I'm stressing out. I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous. And then the ride starts and it seems like, you know, it's probably like a two-minute ride, if that, but it felt like an eternity because it's, you know, it's fast, it's up, it's down. And I spend the next two, three minutes of my four-year-old life screaming like a little girl, like ah, with a death grip on the, on the rails. And, and I look up at my sisters and what are they doing? Ah, they're just laughing at me. Horrible experience. Like how many how many memories do you have as a little kid? Like maybe a handful, you remember certain things. Like that's the one that sticks out to me. And that was a bad experience. Now I tell you the story because of this. Years go by and what am I? I am terrified of roller coasters. Yeah, it took me several years before I actually went back on a roller coaster. Now I'm enjoying them and love them now, except for, you know, I'm old now. So you've got to watch the ones that are hard on the back. You know, you got to go to the steel ones, you know, so it's a little different now, but enjoy them. But for several years, I'm fearful. Why? Bad experience. Every time my friends are going to the park and every time, you know, everybody wants to do this. Trent, you want to go with us? Let's go ride this ride. I'm like, hey, I'm good. I, you know what? I think I'm going to go eat. You know, you're like making up, you've been, you've made up excuses and you've done that thing because of, of, of the anxiety that's in your life. And man, I'm telling you, bad experiences, man, that'll lead you to some stressful times today, won't it? So maybe something happened to you as a kid, bad childhood, something, event took place and what, what now? You know, now as a parent, you're stressed, you're worried. Why? Because you don't want what happened to you to happen to your kids. And so now you're, you know, you're, you're following around and you're, you know, you're making sure nothing happens and, and you're, 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 you're allowing this bad experience to create anxiety today in your life. Um, secondly, potential experiences create anxiety in the present. So you know what this means, potential things that might happen. It's the thing that might happen. We're not sure it's gonna happen, but I'm gonna worry about it and think about it for the next month because it could happen, you know? The things that 
more than likely are never going to happen, but we think about them and we mull over them. We just constantly play them over. What if they do this? And what if they respond that way? And what if I don't cut it? And, and, and what if I don't pass the test? And, and, and what if so-and-so shows up? What if we go and so-and-so shows up? It's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. And, and we think about it and we can't sleep at night and blah, blah, blah. And then we show up to the deal and so-and-so doesn't even come. And it's like, oh man, I worried about that. And, and they didn't even show up. And, and how many times has that happened in your life? Like something bad is going to happen to my kids, you know? So a potential thing is going to happen, so we're overprotective. You know, terrorists might attack, so we don't leave our house and we build a bomb shelter. I don't know. So it's like so many potential issues. If you watch the news, you will get sucked into that, won't you? All the potential problems in life, you can become so overprotective and so stressed out that you don't do anything. You don't move. Finally, the third reason I think is that anxiety is caught and it's taught. So anxiety is caught just like the flu. So if you're around somebody who, you know, is worried that the end of the world is about to happen, then the next thing you're going to know after a day or two, you're going to be going to Walmart or Sands buying toilet paper, paper towels and water jugs, you know, because why? It's caught. It's like the flu. It's like, it's like a virus when you're around somebody that is anxious and worrying all the time. And what about this? You know, all this kind of stuff. Now, guess what? I am catching that and I'm learning that and it affects me. That's why you got to be careful when you watch the news because everything is negative. Everything is spun so negative. And we've got to be careful about allowing that into our minds because then... We catch, we, we catch ourselves being negative and we catch ourselves worrying about all these things that, that are never going to happen. Remember Y2K? It's like, ah! It's like, what happened? We all fell asleep. We woke up and went to work the next day. It's like nothing. But, but if, we, if we buy into the hype, we catch it. Now, some of you were taught this because you had a mom or a dad that they worried. That's just, you know, they worried and the constant stress and, and that's just how they lived their life. And, and they taught you. They didn't like say, okay, point one, Trent, is to worry a lot and not sleep a lot. So stay up tonight. They didn't like, you know, give you step one, two, and three, but you saw how they lived. You saw what they did and they taught you how to be anxious. They taught you how to worry. And so your mom maybe was the one that walked around and she was always the one that was like, you know, poke your eye out, you know, don't go there. And so you're kind of the helicopter mom, don't do this don't do that you can't go outside and play you can't go upstairs and play you got to be with me everywhere you go you know and so so we we learn how to worry and we learn how to be stressed and the world is stressed the world worries everybody at work who is a non-believer has this in their life um, the anxiety and depression association of america just in case you didn't know there was one there is here's what they say about anxiety they say anxiety uh, disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults ages 18 and older. So that's 18% of the U.S. population deals with anxiety attacks and, and, and this, this, this you know, overwhelming fear that something bad is about to happen, that, that, that they're dealing with. It's not uncommon, they say, for someone with an anxiety disorder to also suffer from depression, so the idea of being depressed or having anxiety, they're, they're, they're brothers, you know? I mean, they, they walk hand in hand. They are, they are close cousins. Why? Because uh, half the people that deal with anxiety also suffer from depression. So you walk in here today and you're like, man, I'm, I am, I, you know, there's some depression in my life. If I was honest with you, at the same time, you would probably also admit that, you know what? I'm stressed, man. I'm worried about work. 
I'm worried about marriage. I'm worried about kids. I'm worried about this deal that's about to go down. And um, it plagues you. It, it can ruin your life. And, and so when I say anxiety disorder, we all oftentimes go to the person that you know, needs therapy, but that's not what it means. It just means the person that deals with anxiety. And so that's, that's many of us to that level. And so we have to understand that it's a very real problem. And, and so first of all, if you walk in here today, you're feeling some depression or you're feeling some anxiety, I want you to take a deep breath and uh, just realize that many people in this room are, are, are suffering in some way with anxiety and so like it's not okay but but you're you're in good company Jesus has some great words for us today Jesus has some hope for you today that that's not how you have to live your life in fact the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 10 uh, verses 4 and 6 if you if you don't have your Bible just just listen he says for though we walk in the flesh we're not waging war according to the flesh in other words, like we're, we're physically in this world. We, we physically have a body, but the war that we're engaged in is not like a physical war where we have to carry around, you know, swords and nine millimeters. Like that's not what it's about. He says, verse four, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So he says, look, the, the idea here is that we are in a war here, spiritually speaking. It's not a physical, let's fight war. It's a spiritual war. And we have the spirit of Christ in our life. And here's what the power of God in your life does. It defeats strongholds. So you walk in here today, anxiety is in your life. You're dealing with that. It's a stronghold because you, were, you caught it. You were taught it. You're dealing with it. It's a part of who you are right now. And Jesus says, you don't have to live that way. I've given you the spirit of God to demolish. Not like, I mean, it would have been different if he said, hey, the spirit of God helps you work through it. The spirit of God, you know, makes you feel warm and fuzzy. The spirit of God demolishes strongholds in your life. He goes on, for we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And listen to this. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. So here's the deal. Anxiety is a battle in your mind. It's a battle in your mind. And so if I'm going to overcome anxiety and live a life uh, that Jesus would call life to the fullest, then I've got to win the battle in my mind. And, and Jesus would say, take your thoughts captive. In other words, take control of your thoughts. So by the power of God in you, this isn't a do it on your own deal. This is a, this is a spirit of God within you doing this taking thoughts captive, not allowing your mind to run down these what ifs and oh man, and remember when I had this and you know, oh gosh. It's like, you know what? I'm gonna take my thoughts captive here by the spirit of God. And he's gonna use that to help me overcome and demolish the stronghold of anxiety. So here's what I would say. Instead of the anxiety attacking us, I think you should attack anxiety. In other words, be proactive about it. The best defense is a good offense. So, so here's what I'm saying. Be proactive, be aggressive. Let's knock it out. Let's attack anxiety in our life. Jesus is gonna tell us how right here. Look at Matthew chapter six. Let's go to verse 25 and following. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither toil nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? All right, let's just stop there for a minute. 
Here's what Jesus is saying on the heels of, you know, put God first physically, put God first spiritually, put God first materially. He says, look, you don't have to worry. You don't have to be stressed when you put the spirit of God and the kingdom of God first. Here's why. Because life is more than food and it's more than clothes. Look again, the end of verse 25. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So if you're taking notes, the first reason why you shouldn't worry, don't, don't be anxious, is life is more than food, life is more than clothes. Now, some of you, that sounds a little too elementary, but let me, let me just help us think about it for a minute. We worry about food. You worry about where you're gonna eat, what you're gonna eat, right? So like you argue about food at home, don't lie. I know you do. It's like, what's for dinner? Pizza again, are you kidding me? It's like, how many times can we get a hot and ready, you know? It's like, listen, we, we, are, we argue, listen, women, if, if you like tend to cook more or whoever cooks more, like whoever's complaining about food, just say, hey, remember, Jesus says life is more than food. Just go spiritual on them and just say, that, that'll shut them up, right? He's complaining. You know, we're eating the same thing. You didn't plan, you didn't go to the store. Hey, life is more than food, buddy. Suck it up, you know? So, so here's the deal though. We look on the back of the food, right? We look at what's in it. You know, so many cholesterol, so many trans fats, so many, you know, this, so many words we can't even, you know, pronounce. And it's like, oh, I don't know what a trans fat is. I think it tastes pretty good because these, you know, cinnamon rolls are awesome. I don't know. But we, we worry about food. What's in it? How many calories? How many fat grams? Some of you have an app and you like try to count your calories. You know, you know you're stressed about like what you're eating when you're counting calories on your phone. Okay. We've kind of taken this to the next limit. Just don't, here's my theory on food. Just, just don't eat that much. Okay. That's it. Just don't eat that much and, and you'll be good. But, but we worry about food. We worry about where it's coming from. Are we going to have enough money to buy it? Are we going to you know, be able to provide for the kids? Or are they eating healthy? Uh, Pastor Brandon, he eats these kale like, um, and vegetable like shakes. And I'm like, dude, you're like 25. You don't have to worry about that till you're 50. Why, are you, why do you do that to yourself? It's torture, but, but I, you know, he, he enjoys it. I don't know. Maybe he puts sugar in it. I don't know. Um, I couldn't do it unless there was a lot of ice cream in it. And so... So life is more than, than food. And then he also says life is more than clothing. So we worry about clothing, don't we? How many of you, be honest, how many of you have looked in your closet and you said, I don't have anything to wear, you know? You've said it, don't lie. And men, you've said it too. And I, I know I just did the high-pitched woman voice, but men do it too. It's like, you know, we, we worry about clothes. Why? Because we don't just want clothes on, like, Clothes are a good thing. We need clothes. If you show up at work tomorrow unclothed, you're probably going to get fired. So put clothes on. But we don't just want clothes. We want in style clothes, nice clothes, right? We want church clothes. We want, I got to go to work clothes. We want work out clothes. So when I go to the gym, I got to match and everything's got to have the stripe, you know? And, and we want the, you know, the yard work clothes because it's got to have the boots and the hiking clothes and whatever hobby clothes you've got, basketball, sporting Whatever it is that, you know, if you're single, you've got the clothes, I, I need a man clothes, right? And so you, you got that outfit that you, you put on. And so, hey, look, we, we want not just clothes, we want nice clothes. And we worry about it and we stress about it. And here's what Jesus says. Look again, verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither toil nor reap nor gather into barns and your, your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Life is more important than food. Life is more important than clothing. Why? Second reason, because God always provides. God always provides. He says, look at the birds. 
I mean, I've, I, we've got woods in the back of our house, and so I go out on the back porch drinking some coffee. I've never seen a bird in the little bird nest or a little bird perch up there scratching his little bird head thinking, oh man, what am I going to eat today? Dang it. I don't see anything, you know. I've never seen a bird stressed. Have you? Why? Because they wake up, they go dig up some worms, they find some bugs, they build their little nest, and they live life. They're not worried. They're not toiling. They're not upset because God takes care of them. I mean, the Bible says God is taking care of them, and he says, how much more valuable are you? Like when you put the kingdom of God first in your life, there's no need to worry. He says, I'm going to provide. He says, oh, you of little faith, you're worried about clothing. You're worried about food. I, he says, just, I, I promise you, he says, just trust me, put me first and I'm going to provide. I'm going to take care of you. You know, I'm going to give you everything physically that you Need. You see, life is more than food and clothing. Life is more than just physical pleasures. God is always going, he's always going to provide. And so, so, I mean, one of the differences between us and birds, other than the feathers and the flying and that kind of thing, is this. We as humans are created in the image of God. We are able to express our faith in our creator. And that, my friend, gets honored by our creator. Like when I can express my faith, God, here's what I'm giving you. There's so many other things that I have that this money could go towards, but I'm giving it to you. That expression of faith, God honors and he blesses. God, I don't know if I'm good enough to serve. I don't know if I have all the answers, but I'm gonna serve and I'm going to invest because I trust you that you are going to use me in this area. That is faith in action. And God is gonna provide for you as you serve. God is gonna provide for you as you give. Number three, um, look, we'll keep reading here, but anxiety doesn't solve anything. I know this is not a news flash, but let's look at verse 27. Anxiety does not solve anything. Here's what he says. And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? I mean, rhetorical question here, but you can't add any length of time to your life if you worry. You know, if that were the case, we'd all be worrying today to try to live longer. But he says it doesn't make you live longer. It's actually pointless. Think about it like this. My five-year-old comes up to me. You know, she's, she's tying her shoes now and she, you know, still a little shaky, but she's got it. And um, she comes up to me. She's got a knot in her shoestrings. And she says, Daddy, can you help me uh, take out, you know, this, this, this knot in my shoe? And I give her a glass of iced tea. I mean, what is she going to do? First of all, she's going to take that tea and she's going to down it because she loves tea, especially if it's sweet. But is it going to help her with her shoestrings? Of course not. It's not going to help her with her shoestrings. She's going to down the sweet tea because it, it feels good. She likes it, but it's not going to help her with her shoe problem. I mean, it's the same thing with worry. Like for some of us in a morbid kind of way, worry makes you feel at home. Like it makes you feel better if you worry about it and you stress about it and you're not sleeping about it. It makes you feel like you're a better parent sometimes or a better wife or, or you're a thinker. I'm just thinking through, you know. And so you, you rationalize that, but it's not helping. It's not gonna do a thing about the shoestring. It's not gonna do a thing about your current situation. It's not gonna add value to your life. It's not gonna add anything positive. In fact, the only thing it's going to do is harm you physically. Here's what... Harvard Medical School says about anxiety. It says, they say that through their research, anxiety has now been implicated in several chronic physical illnesses, including, here they are, heart disease, chronic respiratory disorder like asthma, and gastrointestinal conditions. 
Uh, When people with these disorders have untreated anxiety, their physical symptoms often become worse. And in some cases, they die sooner. So if you walk in today as a worrying type anxiety person, now you have one more thing to worry about, right? You're going to die sooner than everybody else. You know what? Just hold on. Thanks for coming to church today. But yep, you're going to die sooner. No, here's the point. We can reverse this. Here's the other thing that they say. Accompanied with anxiety is muscle pain. Ah, my back is hurting. Fatigue. Oh, I just can't seem to wake up. This is like my fourth cup of coffee. Oh, man, I got another headache. Oh, my stomach is upset. See, physically, anxiety hurts us, doesn't it? it you lose sleep. A lot, of, a lot of people don't sleep well at night. A lot of people, your stomach is messed up because you're, 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 you're stressed. Some of you have heart disease. As a result, you don't even know it yet because of your stress. Have you ever been so stressed? Like I have, I remember. Like I've, I've been so stressed about certain things that I wake up and the very first thing I think about is that issue, you know? It's like you went to bed thinking about it and as soon as you wake up, it's like pops right back into your head and like a pressure right here in your chest. You ever felt that? That's anxiety, that's stress, it's hurting your body. Like you don't have to live that way. Jesus would say, don't live that way. There's a better way to live. Anxiety actually hurts our body. Doesn't help. Doesn't help one single bit. The fourth reason why you shouldn't worry is that God makes all things beautiful. Look at verse 28 and 29. Let's read this. And he says, why are you anxious about clothing? Seriously, why are you worried about clothing and your physical appearance? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Like they're not worried or anxious. You know, the lilies and the flowers and the grass in the field, they're not like worried about how they look today. Verse 29, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So the idea here, see that grass was used to start fires, like dried grass. It was pretty, it would dry, they would, they would, they would pull the dried grass and that's how they would start their fire. And so he's basically saying, hey, look, the grass is going to be here, then it's going to be gone, thrown into the fire, but it's not worried. The field is not worried like about looking good. The flowers aren't worried about looking good. He says, I take care of all that. Listen, some of you are worried about your physical appearance. Like I don't look pretty enough. I don't look the part. I don't have the right clothes. I don't, you know what? I come to church and I wear jeans and and I don't have the nice suit. And it's like, I don't wear that stuff. And well, you're in good company at our church. But anyway, we, we worry, don't we? We worry about our appearance. And what does the world teach us about our appearance? It's all physical. The world teaches us that everything like beauty wise is physical. So ladies, when you're looking at magazines, you got to realize that the model, she hadn't had a sandwich in like three years, okay? She, she hasn't had any kids yet. She ain't had, she ain't had a biscuit in a minute. And listen, she, she also is on a computer screen by some geeky guy that's on a MacBook Pro and he spends hours airbrushing her body so that she looks perfect when it's printed in that magazine and on that. You realize that, don't be fooled. Don't buy into that. Men, same thing. Guys on those infomercials, they're juicing up. You know it. They've, they, they, they're all taking enhancing something or another and shaving and tanning bed. And it's like, seriously, man, this is too girly. It's like, look, we, we can't buy into the physical appearance of this world. 
right? We can't worry about that. God makes all things beautiful. Christ in you, you're beautiful. Ladies, men, you need to affirm your ladies in this. Affirm them. Like beauty is fleeting, the Bible says. But a woman who is to be praised puts the Lord first. That's true beauty, right? So it's like Christ in me, Christ in you. In Christ, you don't have to look the part. Jesus says you are the part. Like he makes you beautiful. He creates this in us when we know who he is. So we don't find our identity in what, you know, our appearance matched up to the magazine or the internet. Our appearance is based on who we are in Christ and he makes all things beautiful. We need to understand that. We don't need to buy into this, this world and, and, and what this world teaches us. And men, we've got to affirm this in, in our ladies. The point is that worrying about your clothing and your appearance isn't necessary. Like we've got to realize that God takes care of the birds. He takes care of the fields and the flowers and all this. He's going to take care of you as well. Fifth, the number, number five reason we shouldn't worry is that non-believers are filled with anxiety, but believers live by faith. Let's look at this verse. Let's continue. Verse 31, he says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Verse 32, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. In other words, he knows your needs. There's no real reason for you to worry about what's happening at work right now. He knows what you need. Okay, he's not surprised by the, the situation so worrying about the situation at work is not going to help you at all. He knows what you need. The Gentiles seek after these things, but your heavenly father knows what you need. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Like today has enough trouble as it, as it, as it is. So just deal with today and don't worry about tomorrow and he says seek first the kingdom of God first and all these things will be added unto you like like if I can put my faith in God the Gentiles in other words unbelievers they worry they stress they have a lot to be stressed about but as a believer Christ in me I don't have to worry I've got faith that God knows what I need he's taking care of me he's going to honor my faithfulness he's going to provide for my family He's going to protect us. He's going to look out for us. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not going to let it overwhelm me. Here's what I'm going to do to defeat anxiety. I'm going to take my thoughts captive. I'm going to put the kingdom of God first in my life. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. I'm going to let God take care of the rest. And here's what I know from personal experience that as I put God first materially in my life, he's taking care of every need I've ever had. He, say, he, he always gives me the right shirt to wear on Sunday, despite what I might look at in my closet. Hey, he provides financially every time my kids, you know, every time we need to go get a prescription filled, every time we need to put food on the table, he provides. Every time as I, as I serve in my weakness and knowing that, you know what, I'm not all that I need to be, but I'm, I'm you know, I'm gonna serve along with the Lord to the best of my ability. You know what, he grows a church, he develops leaders and he uses me. And the same is true for you. Like that's, that's the spiritual side to life. Don't discount that. Like everything doesn't have an explanation, does it? Some things are just God moments and God things. We don't know how the bills are paid. We don't know how needs are met. But God honors, God fulfills 
all glory and praise goes to him. Let me close this series with this verse. I think it's fitting. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will listen, will guard your heart, guard your heart, and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. That's where the war is raging today. It's, it's, it's waging in your heart. Who is going to take control of your heart? You or are you going to let God take control of that? Are you going to treasure you and your will? Or are you going to treasure Jesus and your mind? Like the battle is in my mind. I've got to take my thoughts and my worry captive. Know that God has taken care of me. Know that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Like he is the rock. He will not move. He is faithful yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. That's what you're after. You don't have to live restless. He wants you to live filled with his peace and his rest. And when we look at the kingdom of God and we serve and live for the kingdom of God, here's what I know. You're going to want to live like that. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.